want to welcome you to Wildlife Baptist Church to our service today and uh, thank you for joining us. It's, it's always great um, to be able to, to connect in any way. We'd love to have everybody here in, in our sanctuary, but um, we're so glad that you guys are joining us online. And some of you, it's, you know, in the next few days, you'll be, you'll be checking in with us. So we thank you all. Um, today, we have a, a special guest speaker. Um, Phil Kim has, has been serving in ministry for more than 15 years, uh, serving as youth pastor, English pastor, planted a church, has done a lot. Um, he has a master's degree from seminary and all, and um, more importantly, he's just been such a great member of our, of our team coming in as a, uh, helping out in the front office, but doing, doing so much more. And so um, it's, it's just my honor to be able to introduce uh, Phil Kim to bring to you today um, the message for today. Phil. Thank you, Pastor Matt. Welcome everyone to our Sunday worship. And I just want to um, just express my thanks and gratitude to Pastor Matt and just everyone. Uh, it's been a blessing to be, uh, just be able to help and see how Wildlife Baptist Church is uh, operating through this uh, just whole new season as we're all going through different things. But um, yeah, let me just uh, pray for us and then we'll get into the word for today. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you uh, for all that you've done. Lord, we thank you for your word and how you are so faithful and how you love us so much. And so, Lord, as we look at your word today from uh, the Gospel of John, Lord, we pray that you would uh, speak to us. Lord, that you would help us to uh, understand the truth of your word and that it would bring just the change in our lives, Lord God. And so uh, we want to know how much you love us. Lord, we want to know um, the truth of, of the scripture. And Lord, we want that to impact and change our lives. And so Lord, we thank you so much for this opportunity. We come before you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so um, I'm going to do things a little bit differently. I'm going to actually read the scripture beforehand. And so if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 29. And so I'll give you a second to open up your Bible app or your uh, physical Bible, and we're going to be in John chapter 20, verses 19 through 29. All right, let's, let me read it for us. You guys can follow along, starting from verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called a twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Verse 26, 
Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put your hand, put out your hand and, and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Amen. So we've been going through this series a um, couple weeks prior to Easter and, and now two weeks uh, after Easter, or this is the first week after Easter, but we're going to continue next week as well. But we've been looking at how uh, the Bible tells us and shows us that God loves us. And of course, last week was Easter, and so um, that's kind of one of the biggest days that we celebrate as Christians, where we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord. And so in order to kind of catch us up to speed, uh, just for some of us that might be joining us today for the first time, um, I want to do a little recap. So on Good Friday, what we did was we just read through John chapter 18 and 19, where it talked about how Jesus, uh, right before his crucifixion, right before he was tortured um, and, and just dealt with unjustly. And he was nailed to the cross. And it was a very solemn and, and sorrow-filled day. And so he was buried into the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. And then as time passed, we entered into Easter Sunday or Resurrection Sunday, where last week Pastor Matt talked about how Mary had met Jesus, but she didn't recognize that it was him, and she thought it was a gardener. And as soon as Jesus spoke and called her name, she knew and recognized him. And we talked about how there's this resurrection power that we're supposed to be living in our lives, that our lives are supposed to be changed and transformed. And so we looked at how Jesus gave his life, his own very life for us, so that we might have life in him. And that we are supposed to go into this world and we're supposed to share this good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so that's where we come uh, to our passage today where Jesus is now showing himself for the first time to his disciples after his resurrection. And this in itself is a very big thing because for many of us, we're familiar with death. Death is something that happens every single day. Maybe some of us, we, we know people that have passed, even in this past year. But the, the reason why this is a big thing is because it's not every day that we see someone resurrecting from the dead. And that's what we're encountering here today. We are encountering Jesus Christ who came back from the dead. He conquered death. You know, in this day and age, we have many people that struggle with Christianity. And one of the biggest things are the resurrection. They don't believe that a man could come and then resurrect from the dead. But we know that in the Christian faith, in Christianity, it is about faith. Faith in the resurrection of Jesus is needed to have new life. Now, I'm praying that all of us that are watching, listening, would have 
and enter into this new life that Jesus offers us. And so that's my hope today. That's my prayer that we would all come to realize what, what is recorded in the Gospel of John and what Jesus shows and speaks and does. And so I want to unpack that today. And we're going to kind of go through it just verse by verse. And so I would love for you guys to uh, follow along. Um, as I was reading this passage, one thing that came to mind was uh, this, this idea of a deja vu. And I'm sure some of you guys have experienced it before, but it's this thought of you feel like you've already encountered it in the past, but now you're encountering it again. And the reason why that thought came to mind as I was reading through this passage is because everything that Jesus had been teaching his disciples, everything that he had been um, speaking to them leading up to the day of his crucifixion is now starting to come to fruition. We're starting to see what Jesus said would happen come to pass. And so it's very important for us to know that there is truth in, in what we're reading today and what we're um, looking at today from, from the Bible. The first thing we see here in the passage is that um, the disciples, two of them, they go with Mary and they find that the tomb is empty. And although they see that it's empty, the disciples, they don't quite understand why. It's almost as if they forgot everything that Jesus had been telling them. Or it proves to show actually that they didn't quite understand what he was saying. And so instead of being these amazing heroic figures that were like going out into this world and proclaiming the good news, they were found, as, as John records, in this room or this house behind locked doors. And so the Bible tells us that Jesus, he shows up in the place that they were at, behind these locked doors. Now, the Bible doesn't specify how he showed up, but I personally would like to believe that, you know, he just kind of cruised through the walls, you know, or he just kind of just immediately appeared. And, you know, the Bible doesn't specify, and so it's not that important. But one thing that we have to think about is if Jesus truly did conquer death, if he resurrected from the grave, then passing through a wall or appearing in a place where he was not would not be such a difficult thing. But I digress, okay? That's not that important. What is, what is important is, is what happens next. As he shows up in the midst of the disciples that are hiding behind this uh, locked doors, he greets them with this uh, saying. It's a common saying, a common greeting that uh, the Jewish people use. And it was in the Greek or in the Hebrew, shalom. And in the English it says, peace be with you. And so this probably doubled as a greeting that was normal, but also because imagine you're in a room and you know everyone that's there. But all of a sudden, Jesus pops up. So they must have been frightened. And so Jesus says it in a way that says, peace. You know, don't be afraid. So after he says, peace be with you, what he begins to do is he begins to show his, his hands and his side. And he's proving to the disciples and saying, hey, this is me. This is you, the, the Lord that you've been living with and following Look at, look at what the marks of where I was crucified. 
And so the disciples were glad that it was Jesus. But we find something very interesting here in verse 21. Because Jesus had just appeared and he says, peace be with you. But in verse 21, he repeats it. He repeats it as if, you know, he didn't say it before. And he says it again, peace be with you. But he adds this uh, sentence after that. He says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. We all understand this, right? Probably not. I didn't understand it in the beginning. But it's okay that we don't understand it. We might assume that the disciples were a little slow to understand because they actually saw Jesus. They lived with Jesus. They were with him physically. But they still couldn't understand. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, it gives me this this sense of peace knowing that even as I study the Bible, even as, even as I live this Christian life, there are some things that I don't quite understand yet. It's not clicking for me, spiritually speaking. But it tells me it's okay. It's a process. And it's going to come as we continue to seek Jesus as our Lord. But one thing we have to understand about Scripture, and especially when Jesus is speaking, is that everything he says is being said for a reason. And what Jesus is doing as he repeats this, this greeting again, peace be with you, he's reminding the disciples of what had happened in the upper room prior to his crucifixion. Now, I don't have the, the scripture for you, but if you guys want to turn or just listen to John chapter 14, verses 26 and 27, I believe this is what Jesus is reminding the disciples of, what he had said. And this is what it says, John 14, 26 and 27. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. See, we see here again, he uses this peace, shalom. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. I think in that moment when Jesus appeared before them, they were rightly afraid. But they were probably more afraid rather in that moment than, that they were more afraid when they saw that Jesus was being crucified. Because in their minds, they were having all this confusion of, Jesus, you said, you know, you're going to do all these things. You're the Messiah. You're the Savior of the world. How could you allow this to happen to you? And so they were devastated. And so it makes sense that after Jesus was crucified and they found that the tomb was empty, they were hiding for fear of the Jews. They were hiding because they didn't have this confidence. They didn't have this gusto that they were living with, but they didn't quite get it yet. But Jesus appears behind these locked doors and, that, and again, it shouldn't be a surprise to us because if the stone couldn't keep Jesus from staying in the grave, then locked doors are going to be a piece of cake for our Lord Jesus. But let's continue. As Jesus says, peace be with you. And he says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. What Jesus is saying here is it's what I like to call John's rendition of the Great Commission. He is giving to the, to the disciples this, 
this call upon their life. He's saying, this is what you are going to do. And for the disciples of that time, they may have understood in that moment, or maybe it started to click later on. But what it means for us as Christians today is that we also have a call. The same call that Jesus gives to the disciples as he appeared to them is that same call that we have for our lives. And what this verse is telling us is that we are to continue the work of Jesus. Jesus is our role model. Everything that he spoke, everything that he taught, everything that he lived out is what we are to do in our lives. But we don't just keep it for ourselves. We live it out in this world. We carry it out in our everyday lives. When we go to work, the way that we speak in our families, in our homes, when we're by ourselves. So Jesus commissions the disciples and he says, you're to continue my work. But it doesn't end here. In verse 22, he, he says, and when he had said this, which is showing us that it's connecting what he just previously said with what he's about to say. He says, I'm going to breathe on you. And he breathes on them. So he commissions the disciples and he breathes on them. And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now this is very powerful. As he says, as he says, and he said this and he breathes on them and he tells them, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, what does this mean? It can kind of be confusing, but I believe in the whole entire context of John as the gospel, what, what it's showing is, is this parallel between this, the breathing on that Jesus did and the breath that God breathed onto humanity that we find in Genesis 2.7. So God breathed, breathes life into the dust to create man. And that's what we're seeing. We're seeing this parallel. And what John is emphasizing here in this passage is, is very powerful and is very important. What he is saying is Jesus is God. Jesus is God. And because Jesus is God, he has the power to give the Holy Spirit. And so as he breathes onto the disciples, he com commissions them, he breathes onto them, and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, whether this is um, the first time that humanity receives the Holy Spirit or whether it really happened at Pentecost, that's, that's for another time. And for those of us that are joining in or maybe you've been a part of this church for a long time and you've never participated in a Wednesday night Bible study. Let me tell you, um, Pastor Matt, there's a reason why he has no hair. It's because his brain waves are so powerful. And so come to the, to, to the Wednesday nights and, and listen and as he expounds on the depths of this because we only have so much time. But this, this week it's actually Eric Dissinger who's talking about the resurrection of Jesus, the proof, the evidence that we have. And so um, I want to encourage you guys to, to join in on that. So back to the passage. Jesus breathes on the disciples. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. And so he's telling us that Jesus is God. But he's also telling us this, that when we receive the Holy Spirit, we are receiving divine life. I don't know about you guys, but this is really comforting to me. 
because it shows us how much God loves us. Um, I'm a parent. I have two young boys, very energetic. Hi, Niall. Hi, Yosef. They're probably watching from at, from a, from, from at home. Um, but as, as I've learned raising kids, if we care for our children, we don't just send them to school without anything. We, we, we want to prep them. We want to encourage them. We want to give them the tools that they need so that they can succeed. That's, that's the minimum that we could do as parents to show our love for our children. Imagine if I was a bad parent and I just, you know, on the first day of school, never really talked about school, but just drove to the school and dropped him off. And as soon as he got out and closed the door, I just drove off. Like, how good of a parent would I be? I believe that in the same way, what Jesus is doing is he's not just resurrecting from the dead and he's, he's ascending into heaven, but he's commissioning the disciples. He's giving them something which is very powerful, and it's the Holy Spirit what gives us divine life. He's giving us power. And so... Through that, we are able to know and experience the love that God has for us. I want us to know that this life that we're living, it's not just that we're living with, with, without any power. We're not powerless. But we have the God who created this universe, the God who, who came with all purpose to save humanity. He came but he didn't just come and leave. He gave us the Holy Spirit. That means that we have divine life in us. And we're able to go into this world to make a difference. Verse 23, Jesus, after he breathes on the disciples and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. He, said, he speaks of the forgiveness of sins. But he's not speaking about the disciples having the authority to forgive sins. But what he is talking about, he's talking about the gospel, the message of Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. And he's saying that as the disciples go out, now that they have divine life in them, as they go out into this world, they're going to proclaim this good news. And the gospel is what allows us to receive forgiveness. And so when the gospel is preached, what happens is people will either repent and receive forgiveness of their sins, or they will reject forgiveness that is offered and they will remain in their sins. And that's essentially what Jesus is saying. Our job as disciples, as believers, is to go out into this world and proclaim this gospel. And the work of the Holy Spirit will work in those people, and they have a choice to receive, to to. to step out in faith, or they're going to reject it. And that's what Jesus is saying. So let's continue. We're in verse 24. John continues by saying how um, Thomas missed out on this crazy experience that all the other disciples had experienced. They, they saw Jesus. You know, he showed up in this behind these locked doors. And they, the disciples explained to Thomas, and they're like, man, we just saw Jesus. We just saw our Lord. He appeared out of nowhere. We were behind these locked doors, and then he appeared, and then he showed us his scars and everything. But Thomas, he, this is probably why he's known as, you know, Thomas the Doubter. He says, he will never believe unless he sees his hands with the nail marks 
places his fingers into the nail marks and places his hand into his side. Man, talk about someone who's a hands-on learner. But that's probably why Thomas was known as that, the doubting Thomas. But eight days pass since Jesus had appeared to the disciples. And we really don't know what happens in between those eight days. But one thing we do know is that things haven't really changed for the disciples. The Bible tells us that they're still locked behind uh, or, or behind locked doors. And then Jesus shows up again. And the Bible tells us that the rulers had issued a stay-at-home order. Just kidding. The Bible doesn't say that. Just trying to see if you're paying attention, okay? But imagine these disciples hiding still eight days after behind closed doors, locked doors. And Thomas is with them. And then again, Jesus shows up. And again, he says, peace be with you. Shalom. But by this time, Jesus, again, he's showing himself as God. To the disciples, again for the second time, and also to Thomas. But the way that he shows himself as God is, is a little bit different. Because what happens is that Jesus right away begins to say all that Thomas had said to the other disciples about how he would never really believe until he, he saw the, the, the nail marks and he put his finger into the nail marks and he put his hand into Jesus' side. And what Jesus says is all those things exactly. I want you to imagine if, if you overheard someone say something and then all of a sudden a week later you know that that person that you're meeting a week later was not there and begins to say word for word everything that you were talking about. But it would be escalated and elevated to an, an even greater degree if it was something that we were urgently seeking or, or, or passionate about. And that's what Jesus does. He shows that he knows what Thomas was thinking and what Thomas was feeling. And he, he repeats those exact same words that came out of Thomas's mouth. But in addition, he says, to not disbelieve, but believe. And so Thomas, he hears all of this, and I'm pretty sure he had goosebumps all over. And he replies with, my Lord and my God. When Thomas says that, it's a very big statement. It's showing that in that moment, he is putting his faith in the, the, the resurrected Jesus that he's seeing right there. And the Bible doesn't tell us whether he actually put his finger into the nail marks. But I'd like to believe that after what Jesus had just said, he didn't need to anymore. And so he believed in that, the fact that Jesus resurrected and that he was alive and, and before them. So Jesus, he asked this. He says, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen yet have believed. This is very encouraging for us, all believers who have not seen Jesus physically. This is comforting for us because Jesus says that it is possible to believe even though we haven't seen, even though we haven't touched Jesus physically, we are blessed if we believe without seeing. 
Now we have to ask this question, what does it mean to be blessed? Does it mean that, you know, when we put our faith in Jesus that we're happy, that we're filled with joy? There are times that we will be happy, we're going to be filled with joy. But being blessed, as Jesus is saying here, is far more than that. This blessedness is talking about more than a feeling. Because we all know if we've lived life to a certain degree, that feelings come and go. So what Jesus is saying here, this blessedness is primarily talking about being looked on by God favorably. You see, when we believe without seeing, God looks at us and he's pleased. He's, he looks at us and he's looking at us favorably. It's speaking of the disposition of God rather than our feelings. I think this resonates with what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 6, which many of us may know, that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, when we believe, that's what we're proclaiming and professing in our lives. We've never seen Jesus, but by the, by the testament of the scripture, we believe and we know and we receive that life. You see, faith in Jesus without seeing is what it means to be blessed. I want to wrap us up here. If we had to boil everything down, what Jesus is saying very clearly, as John records, is that Jesus is God. And that there was a purpose that in all that he did, all that he spoke, even showing up to disciples and doing all that he did, there was a purpose behind all of that. You see, Jesus being God, he had a purpose in giving us the Holy Spirit. And it's for us to live with this divine life. We're supposed to live this new life. And that's my prayer, that every single one of us listening today, watching today, that we would come to know that Jesus resurrected. But not only that, he gave us the Holy Spirit. He gave us divine life. You know, if we've been attending church for a long time, it's not just about showing up to church, going to Bible studies. It can't just end there. It needs to be evident in every single living moment that we have. Our knowledge has to move from information to transformation. Last Sunday, as we were uh, recording and, and, and broadcasting, I had to use the restroom. And so I, I went downstairs and um, I encountered something in the restroom that I want to share with you guys today. And I have a picture of what I encountered. So you guys may be able to see this. And do you guys see what it is? It is, looks like nothing special. But actually, um, that's for women, they probably don't know what it looks like. But that's one of the stalls. That's the furthest stall in the men's restroom. And let me show you why this picture is so important. If you zoom in. You know, if you're doing your business um, and you look to the right side of the stall, I'm not sure if you can see this, but there are a bunch of things that are stuck on the wall. Can you guys see that? Maybe you got to go really close to the screen. But for those of you who don't want to, let me explain what it is. They're a bunch of boogers. Now, those of you who don't know, 
Wildlife Baptist Church also has a preschool. And uh, during the day, when, before the whole coronavirus was happening, we had preschoolers that were using the bathroom. And these boys especially, because that's a boys' restroom. And what they would do is, I'm assuming, they would sit on the toilet to do their business and then they'd be multitasking, you know, sticking it far up in there and then pulling something out. And then like, oh man, do I want to eat it? No, I'm not going to eat it. I'll save it for, next, for another time and I'll stick it on the wall. So I'm pretty sure that a lot of kids left their mark there. And that is the evidence that there have been many preschoolers that have visited or passed through that bathroom stall. But the reason why I show this picture is because I believe it tells us something that we have to understand in our lives. In the same way that preschoolers have it kind of ingrained in them that they're going to pick their nose and, and put their booger wherever or eat it. We as Christians, as we put our faith in Jesus, the resurrected Lord, and as Jesus gives us the Holy Spirit, which is divine life, we are commissioned into this world. We are commissioned to go and to leave a mark. We are to be, as, as is recorded in the New Testament, the Gospels, that we're supposed to be the light and salt in this world. If we as Christians have the Holy Spirit in us, we need to constantly be listening to the Spirit of God and how he wants us to live our lives. Last week, Pastor Matt talked about living out the resurrection power of Jesus. In a sense, that's the same thing. And, and that's what we've been talking about. We need to live that out. Even a year, a year or more so, so ago, I've been listening to Pastor Matt's podcast about when he was preaching through Romans 12 about being a healthy church. To be a healthy church, to be a healthy Christian means that we are leaving our mark because we have the Holy Spirit in us. Because we have divine life. Because we're being molded and shaped into the likeness of our creator. You see, this new life that's been given to us not only shows us that God loves us, but it shows us that we have a purpose in this world. So when we are obedient to the spirit of God, when we recognize and live out this divine life that is in us, we leave a mark by living like the disciples did. We leave a mark by being a healthy church as individuals and collectively. We leave a mark by loving each other, by forgiving those that have wronged us. We leave a mark by caring for the orphans and the widows and the less fortunate. We leave a mark when we are living in the newness of life this divine life, the Holy Spirit that is in us. And that's my prayer and my encouragement for all of us today, that we would all understand the faith that we've put into Jesus as the resurrected Lord. It doesn't just stop there. It's empowering us to go into this world so that we would leave a mark as we live obedient to the Spirit of God.